It is Sunday, September 6th, 2020, and the baseball gods have shown us favor this past week as we have a lot of new records being recorded or somewhat recorded. So let's start talking about them. First of all, that's all major and all holy, Kershaw's K's. Clayton Kershaw has just third youngest pitcher ever recorded to reach the 2,500 strikeouts milestone. First of all, that's the first topic. Let's start talking about this. First of all, that's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, you don't get much better than that. He's in some elite company. Yeah, he is an elite company along the lights of uh, Tom Seaver. You got Bob Gibson up there. Nolan Ryan probably – Nolan Ryan's definitely up there too. Um, I mean, it, it's incredible. And he's 32. 32 years old and he's already gotten 2,000 – or 2,500 strikeouts. As a matter of fact, he actually totaled 2,505 on that day. Yes, he reached 2,500, but technically he had 2,505. And that puts him 38th all time on the strikeouts list, only eight behind A.J. Burnett. So he's rising in the ranks pretty rapidly. So we might just have another strikeout king here if – Clayton Kershaw can keep this up. Sure, that's that's a lot of talk about um, going up there with the likes of Nolan Ryan, but honestly, if he keeps it up, he might get close. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely at a really good point right now. Uh, and the fact that he's only 32, he broke into the league at a really young age, it's definitely going to help his chances. Definitely going to help. Um, I mean, he's been very dominant in the past few years, even though he's, his dominance has slightly declined. Oh, but the, a lot of the stats that Clayton Kershaw puts up now, yes, that's not Kershaw-esque, because basically you, when you think of Kershaw, you think of utter dominance. Well, his dominance is still continuing this year, although some people might look at it and say, hey, he's not as good as he used to. But if you look at his stats, some of his stats now are – the stats of some of the best other pitchers currently, like the average pitcher would say, "Hey, my best I've ever done is Clay Shaw, or excuse me, Clayton Kershaw's worst." That is another wow factor. Just he's put himself in some good company up there. Thirty um, eighth all time, though, out of hundred years of baseball, thirty eighth all time. Congratulations, Mister Kershaw. Keep it up. Yeah, for sure. He's got to go down as one of the greatest of all time. And speaking of one of the greatest of all time, we've also got another big milestone for everyone's favorite fish, Mike Trout. 300 homers this past weekend, or yesterday actually, as of uh, as of we're recording this. Um, setting a new Angels record, Tim Salmon had finished with 299 home runs in an Angels uniform, spending his whole career there. And uh, Trout was able to not only get his 300th career homer, um, but with one milestone came another, passing Tim Salmon on the all-time Angels record list. Uh, yeah, so I know, I guess we uh, have learned which fish is superior here. And on top of that, for a milestone of hitting 300 home runs, he has done so in only 1,235 games, which is 18 fastest wow. to hit there. One of the best players of all time as far as a home run hitter. And on top of that, wow. he is, you know, a complete five to a player. So that's just one feature of his game. And at this point, he's just turned 29 years old. He broke into the league again. A guy like Kershaw broke into the league at a very young age. 
to the point where he's just been racking up stat after stat, um, not only home runs where he's already very high on the leaderboard, uh, but he's 83rd all time in war when, you know, there's a few hundred hall of famers. He's higher than over 50% of hall of famers in war. Wow. And he hasn't even hit age 30. He hasn't even hit age 30. So he's still in his prime. So we can, so after he, dec- after, if presuming he stays healthy, as I alluded to in our last episode of, you don't know. I mean, he's so young and so good. So you don't really have an idea of what he might do in the future. That's the issue. I mean, yes, he's brilliant beyond compare. I mean, hopefully he's not using the drugs like Mr. Bonds or whoever you want to call using them drugs. But I mean, um, there was allegations, <laughs> but like nothing confirmed. Well, of course, there's going to be allegations. I mean, I mean, either way, though, I mean, I mean, when you have a player that good, there's going to be those allegations. But the thing is, to 29, he's in the middle of his prime, if not getting to the height of his prime. So even if he does start to decline, it's going to be an epic show watching him for the next next 10 years, if not more. Um, but the weird thing for me and Trout is, is I always associate Trout as being a lot younger than what he actually is. See, I always think Trout's in his like 20, 24, 25 years. I didn't realize he's been playing for, what, how many years? 2000, excuse me, excuse me. He has like 1,200 plate appearances. I didn't realize he had that many. I thought he was still pretty young. I thought he was still working his way around the league. And then I see this 10-year contract, and I'm like, holy cow. And then I realize he's not as young as I thought he was. So that just goes to show, hey, I'm an idiot. I mean, that's <laughs> practically a shoe in for first or second in the MVP race every year. I believe he's been yeah, like that I mean, in his uh, all but one year that he's been in the big leagues. And I mean, his best season, uh, according mm-hmm. to MVP voting, you know, his unanimous MVP season was arguably one of his worst seasons statistically, which is just crazy Oof. to see. Wow. So he's, he's, we're going to have our eyes on him. Everyone's going to have their eyes on Mike Chow for the next few years to come. I mean, and I mean, just because, I mean, yeah, he's hit 300. I expect, I mean, he's going to easily get past that mark. I mean, he's going to keep going. He's not going to run out of steam for a long time. Um, so, Mr. Trout, keep it up. I know what fish I'd be like to have for dinner between you and Mr. Salmon. I'd definitely rather have the trout on my team. So, um, congratulations, Mr. Trout. Um, keep it up, I guess. Um, another thing, too, another milestone is not currently happening, but is the 25th anniversary of it happening. Now, as of today, um, Sunday, September 9th, uh, today is the 25th anniversary of Cal Ripken Jr., a.k.a. Iron Man, his consecutive game streak. 25 years ago, Cal Ripken Jr., his streak of, of uh, consecutive games ended at 2,632. Let's, let's let that sink in for a bit. He played 2,632. In 32 games. Spanning over what, 15, 16 years, right? I think it was around 15. But that is literally about 16 seasons if you count 162 games. 16 seasons he played straight. I mean, this guy is freaking unstoppable. 
in last episode, we talked about some players who are robots, a.k.a. Harrison Bader, because he shows no emotion. But um, you talk about robots. You have Cal Ripken Jr. up there. That man does not run out of steam. I mean, he just didn't stop. And the crazy thing, though, is the person who previously held the record for consecutive games was, ironically, the Iron Horse, Lou Gehrig. Yeah, Lou Gehrig, actually himself, the Iron Horse. I mean, you see the resemblance here. They're both iron. So, I mean, of course, they're going to last forever. But his record was 2,131. So, Mr. Ripken came up here and just blasted right through his streak and just just kept going. And finally, he decided one day to stop. He didn't – I mean, I watched a video in which he, the announcer said he went up to the coach or to the general manager or whoever and said, don't put me in the lineup. I am not injured. I just don't want to play today. Once that happens, the streak was set in stone. 2,600. 32 games played. And I think that was through a slight knee injury, too, from what I've read. He had something going going on with the leg or knee, and he played right through yeah, it. Yeah, I know he I did mean, have, like, some occasional injuries, but, I mean, over 16 mm-hmm. years, uh, he didn't let those, you know, twisted ankles, pulled hammies, nope. get him down and out uh, during nope. some games. And in an interview I had heard, he also said, yeah, there were definitely some games in there that I, I should have sat out. That's the thing. In the moment, you don't think about it. You get all hyped up. You get you get psyched about it, and you think, hey, I've got a streak going. Let's keep it going. I mean, yeah, that's it's amazing to see that many games played through that. Like, it's hard it's to imagine. the rest of his career in a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole career right there, those, those games. He, he basically had a couple careers in one lifetime. I mean – in, in just that self, some guys, when they hit 2,632 games, they're done. They call it quits. I mean, and he just kept going. Most that doesn't even get that time. far. I said mm-hmm. most guys don't even get that far, 2,632. Exactly. So he had multiple careers going on in his career, basically, and he just kept going. And he's – it's it's iconic when you think of unbeatable records. He's the – at this point, he's the only record that will not be broken for probably at least another five to ten years, guaranteed. Because as I looked on, I looked online, and basically there is no one else even close to coming to him. I mean, like I think the next guy up has like not even a thousand games going. I mean, that's just insane. So, and especially with the way like, like trainers and everything um, uh, make sure players are all right and take care of injuries these days. A lot of times, small injuries put a player on a day-to-day where, you know, they're playing one day, not they're not playing the next. Um, and just for the safety mm-hmm. and with all the medical information that we know now, it will never be beaten. It, it, yeah, it will. It probably will not happen ever or for a long time. Um, looking at the list here, um, you've got on those, like, it's a huge gap. I'm looking at the list here of um, the streaks, and you had – Cal Ripken, number one, Lou Gehrig, number two, Everett Scott, number three. Uh, and to look for a modern-day player, let's see. I'm still scrolling here. I'm six, seven, still not one modern-day. Uh, hey, uh, Stan Mutual is number eight. Um, Cardinal Stan. Keep going. Stan Mutual on every list. <laughs> Just, yeah, he's probably on every list. That man, I, I don't know how he kept going. Um, 12s, Pete Rose. We're, we're still going. We're still going. Um 
13, 14. There's still not a modern-day player. And it's – oh, whoops. The list just ended. But um, there is, like, no one – I might have passed it, though. But there is – let me look again. I don't see anyone, any modern-day player, who's even close to coming on this record. Um, I mean, the so only thing that I can that, think of potentially to even have it be broken in the future is it would have to be way in the future with all with a lot of advanced technology and medicine, with just doctors and trainers knowing how to constantly uh, keep these people in games and stuff. Because, I mean, Cal Ripken completely ignored his safety. He jeopardized the rest of his career several times uh, going out on that field. Exactly. And with the place modern medicine is right now, yeah, uh, it would have to advance quite a bit. That or you would you'd be basically a walking medicine bottle, or you would basically not even know pain. That would be the only way someone could even get that street. Um, and again, I double checked the list just now. I'm not seeing anyone else um, who's even close to that list. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm not seeing anyone, anyone on the list. That's. I mean, this goes through like I think it's only like. Let's see, like 20 guys, 15. There's only 15 people on here for the list. None of them are modern day, but I know I did see something uh, when I was researching this that said the next street, and it was just like not even close. So that's that's one of the definite unbreakable records of baseball for at least a long time. It'll happen in my lifetime at least. It, it might. I don't, think Hopefully, I don't know if it ever will. Honestly, it might not, but – the odds of it happening right now are like slim to none because back in the day, if you felt bad, you didn't say you sucked it up buttercup and you kept playing. I mean, good example of that Bob Gibson, he pitched to three batters with a broken leg. You just didn't call it quits. You never did that. Kirk and if you did, money sock is a famous thing in more recent times. Right. If you're, if you, anything, if you, you just kept playing, I mean, cause if you, if you say, Mr. Manager, um, I need to take it off. You're almost viewed as like a coward. You couldn't finish what you started. I mean, I know, again, Bob Gibson's a, a very great uh, example to use. He went into every game basically looking for a complete game. Every game, complete game almost. Sometimes most, sometimes he'd get it, sometimes he wouldn't. But you had that – back then you had that mentality of once you start, you don't stop. Um, and, again, like you said – Injuries, some of them, that's really hurting them. That really hurt them or could affect them later. But, again, 2,632. This is, today is the 25th anniversary. Mr. Ripken, you're a role model for us. Thank you for that record. The baseball gods have spoken. And we are back uh, from that short little ad break there. Uh, but there is much more that has happened in this past week in the MLB that has not been covered. Starting with a big event on Friday that we haven't seen in over 70 years, which is that with all the all that's happening with the pandemic recently and so many, well, not so many, but a few teams having outbreaks or games canceled. Uh, there was actually so many doubleheaders from teams that were affected that 20 games were played this past Friday in total. I mean, 20, 20 total games. 20 total games, wow. five teams, or 10 teams, rather, uh, playing doubleheaders um, because they were so affected by the pandemic. Um, also, I believe a lot of games were being rescheduled. 
um, from the cancellations of games earlier in the week due to the BLM movement. Um, so there was, there has not been 20 games played in one single day in the MLB since the mid 1900s, over 70 years. And it's a record that has been standing for a very long time. Wow. That's a record you don't want to break. Um, yeah, that preferably did, not. Uh, <laughs> preferably not. Yeah, but wow. 70 years. That's that's a that's a long time for a record to be broken. And again, that's not a record you want to see broken. Yeah. You yeah. want to keep that in the past and just let it die. 70 years ago, we I saw mean, guys like Willie Mays and, you know, Mickey Mantle dominating the game of baseball. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's the last time something like this happened. Wow. Well, I wonder what made them back in the 1900s, wherever, whenever this was, 70 years ago, so, like, uh, like 1950s. 50s. I wonder what was going on back then that would make them have about 20 games in a day. Did you find that? Uh, no, there might have been. I don't believe there were more teams, but uh, I know there's – I believe the Spanish flu outbreak was before that, so it wouldn't have been something to do with that. It was like – it was. yeah, that was – I think that was like um, 19. But I know back then a lot too. So, I know back in the day a lot of games were just canceled due to dark because they didn't have efficient lighting. So that could have been um, that makes, something that caused a lot of games to be canceled. That makes sense. That could be an issue. Um, that or rain. They didn't have tarps or efficient ways to uh, prevent that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But 20 games in a day. I mean, you got to think, that's going to be – that's going to take a toll on you. I mean, even with the seven-inning doubleheader rule that the MLP has going on, that's still a lot of work. I mean, even if you do end up playing most of your, like, backups on the second or the first one or you mix them up, you still have plenty of guys who are going in there and playing 14 innings of baseball. Can usually make for I mean, some weird so- dynamics as well since a lot of times uh, mm-hmm. – um, well, it depends. But a lot of times it's very hard to sweep a doubleheader, especially in a season like mm-hmm. this. Uh, so, you know, yeah. if the Pirates had a doubleheader, they're more likely to uh, to take one of those games. Or if a top team like the Dodgers had a doubleheader, they're more likely to take another loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just crazy, though. Nine, uh, excuse me, 20 games on Friday. Let's just hope we don't see this record even get close to for another 70 years. I mean, past this year, there might be a couple of their days this year that actually break it, but that's about it. Let's just hope that's it, though, because again, this is that's a record I don't want to see getting close to breaking. Agreed. Twenty games—that's that's just insane. Well, anyways, I believe there was another person who had a pretty interesting day this past weekend. Oh yes, that does. That's true. We now we shift over to a, a pitcher, Adam Wainwright. Last Sunday, we did not cover this in the episode because we recorded it before it happened. Um, Adam Wainwright on last Sunday, so August 30th, which seems like years ago, um, Adam Wainwright threw a complete game, took him 122 pitches, and he did a complete 122, 122 pitches total. Dang, what was Schultz thinking leaving him out there? 
Well, Wainwright was actually on fire. He said he felt the best he'd ever been. That's it. He said that, that was, he felt the best he'd been in a very long time, and he just kept going. I mean, uh, he only gave up two runs. It was a 7-2 victory. Um, I Um, but anyway, it was a seven-two victory. I don't. I don't have the one thing I forget is to put. I put down who they played against. Let me get that real quick. Um, look at me. Second episode. Here we are, unprepared. Um, let's see. But yeah, it's kind of crazy the fact that I mean, at the ripe age of thirty-nine, um, thirty was able to do that. It was against the Cleveland Indians. Sorry about that. There you go. Seventy-two victory over the Cleveland Indians. One hundred two pitches. And he had a complete game against the Indians on his 39th birthday. That's not too shabby so either. Indians are a very good team this year. Yeah, that is, that is very true. Um, uh, but that's <laughs> – I mean, if you talk about best ways to celebrate your birthday, going out and throwing a complete game, there you go. I mean, only giving up two runs. I mean, that's pretty nice. I mean, even, again, at the ripe old age of 30. And as a matter of fact, that was his um, – 23rd career complete game. He's done 23 complete games. Adam Wainwright. Yeah. And on his birthday, too. That I mean, that's just a bonus. I mean, that's just kind of like slapping an extra layer of icing on the cake. Um, and to add sprinkles, if you wanted to, on that day, too, Yadier Molina actually settled another – well, he actually uh, got a – he caught his 2,000th career game. So you're talking about Wayno being um, dominant 39. You're talking about Yachty with his – I feel sorry for that guy and his shins and all of his knees. I, that's got to feel bad after how old he is. Um, but t- 2,000 – excuse me, 2,000 games Yachty and Molina has caught. And, again, it was with Adam Wainwright. The two – excuse me, 270th um, time that, they, that he's caught – Wainwright, and that's that's just insane. You got a pitcher catcher battery going. Two hundred seventy games these two have been going with each other. That's that's that amazing. Is more than two hundred and sixty eight. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean the fact that they've been together for so long throughout their whole careers, even um, is it's really nice to see that both of them have such a great accomplishment on the same day. Um, yeah. But I do feel like during this year, during the shortened season, there are some players whose well, accomplishments have been going unnoticed. Uh, so we're going to go into a little segment here featuring some of the most underrated players uh, this season. And for some of them, I may ask you, you know, have you heard of this? What do you know about this guy? Um, Probably not. But we're going to start out with, uh, with a Cardinal and Huang Young Kim, someone who, you know, with uh, the season being delayed, I don't know about you guys, but I was watching a good amount of KBO myself, um, seeing some of these different teams and some of these different pitchers play. And, man, coming into the Cardinals season, I was very hyped about Kwong Young Kim. Not a Cardinals fan, uh, but hyped to see some more players from South Korea coming over um, into America. And he had been dominating in South Korea for years and waited until he was 32 years old um, to come over and pitch in the MLB. And, man, he has not let that opportunity slip up. Uh, no, five, I, yeah. Go ahead. The reason a lot of these Korea, these guys from Korea come up, Korea, 
Korea slash Japan come over here so late in their careers is because I don't know their exact rules, but J Japan actually has a very weird way of keeping their players there. I don't remember how many seasons, but you have to play a certain amount of seasons before you can actually leave the country to play baseball. So a lot of your like guys like Ichiro, you got um, you got a um, KK as we call him. Uh, I don't even know his real name actually. To be Kwame honest with you, him. there you go. Everyone calls him KK, so that's what I I might refer to him as that. So viewers, if you hear me say KK, I'm talking about what's his name again. <laughs> there you go, Long Young Kim. What uh, that? There you go. So um, anyway, um, again, so that's why a lot of these like Japanese players come over here sort of late in their careers is because again no one really wants to play over in japan and they come over here because you get more money mostly so that's so japan structures it to where they keep their players for a certain amount of time i don't know what it is i don't know what um, it is in south korea but uh i mean man he's been having a he's been having a really good year over here i mean he started out yeah. um the original plan for the cardinals was to have him as their closer um but after the team had an outbreak he was transitioned into a starter and threw nearly 22 innings this year. Four starts and one save, actually. Um, wow. Has a sub-one ERA and a sub-one whip. Yeah, and another thing, too, about them Koreans and Japanese players is, see, over there, not they aren't – they're kind of like the opposite of the Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is the live – we're in the live ball era. Everyone's hitting home runs. You got pitchers throwing 100 miles an hour. Well, Actually, in Japan, they're quite the opposite. See, the pitching in Japan is structured not based on velocity, but but it's based on deception and movement. So if you actually look at a lot of these Korean slash Japanese pitchers, you will see they have some funky stuff going on. It's because that's very good. Yes, Japan, they are big into that splitter. Um, it's all again, it's all about deception and movement. It's throwing the hitters timing off so you can't get a pitch or to get the pitch you want. And when you do get it, you're not ready for it. That's what they've based on. So again, if you look at all these little, um, at these uh, Korean and Japan pitchers, um, again, they all have something funky going on with their delivery. Little deception type thing. I mean, it's not as much as Johnny Cueto or all of those guys, but it's a, they got a pretty, pretty good amount of deception going on. And yeah. um, they love their curveballs too, apparently. I read um, an article a while back, it's a couple of years ago actually, um, about a Cardinals pitcher who played. I don't remember. He didn't. I don't think he played a full year, but he went and transitioned over to Japan. And I think the article said he's using his knuckle curveball. It's close to forty to fifty percent of the time. I mean, yeah. it just throws the hitters off over there. And so it could be, but I'm not exactly sure. Do what? I said I think you might have been talking about Dan Straley, but I wasn't sure. Hmm. No, I, I don't think – I don't remember his name, and I'm not going to go over and grab the articles. It's, it's, it's in a pile of Cardinals magazines, and I'm not going to find it for the next, like, hour or two. But uh, anyway, basically, he transitioned over to the Japan League over there, and he – I mean, again, they love deception. Um, that's just kind of how they roll. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but moving on to some other players who have been very underrated this year, um, the Padres have been very good this year. Um, a team that not everyone expected to be this good. Uh, we talked about Zach Davies <laughs> earlier. Um, and I also want to mention Drew Pomerantz, uh, who is a pitcher that played uh, in the past for the Padres, also played for the Red Sox for a few years, had some years in Colorado and Oakland. 
bet on himself last year on a one-year deal with the Giants that started out terrible but ended very well as he was insane down the stretch for the postseason Brewers. And, man, he has not um, been letting this big contract that he got in San Diego slip off. Uh, 11 innings this year, four saves, 0.00 ERA, hasn't allowed a single run wow. for 15 and 11 innings and has a win wow. That That's a – there you go right there. You talk about underrated, and you have these guys who are kind of like opposite Clayton Kershaw's where they don't really perform well in the regular season, but the second you get in the postseason, they fire up and they're they're on fire. I mean, that's kind of the definition of almost an underrated player. They don't do so well, but then when they do well, it's like, wow, why, why aren't they doing this constantly? Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking at a few more players, you got James Hoyt for the Marlins, um, who's been pretty underrated as a sub-2 ERA, um, mm-hmm. around 1.2. Uh, there's also Pedro Severino, who as a catcher, has been arguably the best catcher in the American League this year. Um, has a plus 300 ERA, an, e, an OPS over 900 for the Orioles, and nobody's wow. seeming to give him any recognition. Hmm. Yeah, again, sometimes it's these un, these like uh, underrated non like the people who don't speak of who are actually the backbone of your team. Yes, you might have your aces and your like your dominant players, but a lot of the times it's the guys who you don't normally think of who are stepping up to the plate literally and figuratively um, and who are delivering. And basically sometimes a team can survive without them. Um, that's again, that's like the definition of an underrated player. Yeah. One more guy that I did want to mention for underrated players. He was doing a lot better, but has had um, a good bit of rough outings recently in the past couple of days. Um, but that is, I'm wondering if you've heard of this guy. Uh, a young man for the Red Sox by the name of Phillips Valdez. Philip Valdez. Um, last name sounds familiar. First name, well, I've heard Philip everywhere, but um, Phillip. no, I don't think I've, he, has, I don't, he has an S at the end of his first name. It's Phillips. Oh, okay. Hmm. I, I don't think I've heard of him. Yeah. Tell but, me about uh, it. Essentially, this guy uh, had eleven games for the Rangers last year. Uh, ERA around four. You know. Whip has always been a little high for him, but he's very good at run prevention. Um, had a, a mm-hmm. higher FIP last year, showing that he's getting a little unlucky. Um, but he ended up getting released by uh, Texas and picked up by Boston in the offseason. And, uh, yeah, he has 15 games at this point. Through his first 11 games of the season, he had pitched 20 innings with a sub-1 ERA. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who no wow. one heard of. No one wanted in the offseason. Wow. He's just a long reliever, so he's going two. He's going, you know, inning and a half, two innings every time. Mm-hmm. Um, with a wow. sub one ERA in a offensively stacked wow. beast. Wow! Uh, oh, that's that's the kind of bullpen depth you kind of need. Yeah, I mean, and again, just get that out of a player you'd never. Mm-hmm. Been struggling a bit recently. ERA has ballooned up to three, uh, three one eight. Uh, but I mean. The beginning. Uh, That's still pretty respectable. Yeah, I remember opening day. I was watching opening day. Uh, Dennis Eckersley, Hall of Fame closer, goes on, you know, regional television in the New England area, goes, yeah, I'm really surprised this guy made the team. Uh, he's 6'3", 160, similar build to a guy like Tristan McKenzie. Just very tall, very mm-hmm. skinny. 
Dennis Eckersley, one of the greatest closers of all time, goes in and says, oh. yeah, I don't know why. Not arguable, easily, easily. But, yeah, that's, again, that's kind of like the underrated player thing. You don't know who they are until you do know who they yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. Type thing. And then when you, once you do know who they are and, and they have that breakthrough, you look like a genius. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's all the underrated players I have for the time being. Uh, but there's definitely some more that I did not mention. Definitely, because again, you got a lot of you got those underrated players everywhere, even in the minors, and you got them everywhere. And it's just again referring. I mean, it's just like you don't know who they are until you do. 